Hello, everybody. It's time for another Saundo and Redders NDCASD podcast. Without any further ado, the great man Dan Saunders is with us. Hello, Dan. How are you, my friend? I'm great, Redders. Uh, great to be back. I'll tell you what, that's, it's felt like more than a week. This has been the longest week in cricket, it's felt like. But um, great to be back. And in the middle of it all, one of the most extraordinary performances in a T20 international, I think any of us have ever seen on Sunday night at, a, mm. at the Mem City. I'll talk about that later, but that was quite ridiculous. And ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our very special guest. We told you we'd have a special guest. And no, we haven't got Tomato Head this week. We've got we've gone a lot higher than that. We've got the captain of the Warners Bay Career Club, Steve Grimshaw, with us. G'day, Steve. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for coming on board. It's great to have you here with us. Yeah, g'day, uh, Redders and Dan. Uh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure, pleasure. Mate. Well, straight into it, ladies and gentlemen. On uh, I've managed to find everything on Play HQ, which, of course, for everybody's been quite interesting in the last couple of weeks, but I've found it. So a couple of abandonments, unfortunately. Redhead and Cardiff Bullaroo abandoned at Lyles Oval. West Journeyman and Nelson Bay Turtles abandoned at, at Hexham. Then the Rogue Scholars abandoned against the West Water Board. That was at Islington. There were a couple of games played, one of which we'll talk about in a minute with Steve. But Dan Saunders... First of all, we haven't said this very often in the history of our podcast, Port Stephens beaten, and I might add, Port Stephens beaten quite convincingly by Merriweather on Duckworth Lewis. Port Stephens 8 for 122. Merriweather just, and I mean just, got their overs in on DLS. They got their 15 overs at 1 for 59, and a terrific win to the Lions, Dan. That's huge for them. Yeah, look, um, a great result for Merriweather this early in the season. It's back-to-back wins for Merriweather, who, like Warners Bay, they've been fortunate enough to get uh, two games in and been, and been successful in both of them. Um, from all reports, it, it was tough tough going up there at 1833 Park at Raymond Terrace. Um, but again, the, the, the good A-grade or Division One teams are going to find a way to bat their 40 overs and as much trouble as the Pythons found themselves in, they still managed to bat their 40 overs. That 8 for 122 um, on the back of Josh Moxie's 44, the skipper, of 100 deliveries. Um, a very patient knock there by Josh. Uh, three fours and one six. Basically, only one there to really uh, bother the, the, the Merriweather attack. Kirky coming in late. Jeremy Kirk was a quick fire 17. Um, yeah, not much else to write home about with that batting. My uh, understanding is they bowled very well. Um, Stephen Pride's three for 21 off eight, tied them up right in the middle order, really put the the brakes on the Pythons. Um, yeah, as you said, it's, it's not very often. And James Pride, his brother, two for 17 off eight. So there's, there's 16 overs, five for 38, which is going to strangle the guts out of any middle order. You're going to make it very hard to, to put a, a high first innings total on the board. And then Merriweather came out and did it, as, as we said, they got the rain in. At, they got in before the rain set in. Now, interestingly, their innings is a massive mixed bag. Tim Cameron made 10 not out of 44 rocks, but Thomas Lavender's basically won them the game. He finished up with 41 off 39 with two and three, striking at 105. And that's what's got them over line. And again, gentlemen, and I'll ask you both to comment on this, the key when you are playing when there's rain is to keep the score ticking along and not lose wickets. And that's exactly what happened here. Should Mer- could Merriweather have been four or five or six for 59? That could have been a different story. But they've kept themselves just the one down and got home. Steve, it's interesting when the calculator comes out and you've, you've got a mathematical algorithm deciding your game of cricket, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. We had uh, one of our guys with the charts out when we went out to back because we knew the storms were rolling in. We were obviously pretty fortunate where we were. Um, Port Stevens would have copped a little bit earlier than us, so we managed to finish our game. And yeah, look, it's not a great way to win, but you know, a win's a win at this stage of the year. You've got to get the wins on the board. Uh, exactly right. Um, it was extraordinarily grey and grim at when, where, where I was uh, at Stockton, and. Um, it was greyer than a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy novel. It was that grey and dark and the breeze was flying. But that's a very, very good one. We'll talk about uh, Warner's Bay in a minute. But a very good good start to the season for Merriweather. And um, Nelson Bay sound like they might have got sent in and they battled out their 40 overs. As Dan has often said, the good teams will find a way. So it sounds as though that eight from 122 may have been actually a reasonable performance by then. And if Josh Moxie's made 44 um, of 100 balls, I can tell you he would have he would have ground out every one of those deliveries. So, 
Uh, that's a, that's an interesting game of cricket, and again decided by Duckworth Lewis and Stern after 15 overs. Merriweather one for 59. Yeah, look to um to what I've heard along the grapevines. Obviously, they've had some issues with their outfield up there. It's always a good wicket up there and a good square. I know it's well looked after by Hunzi up there, but the um. What I'm hearing is the rain come in before the 15 overs was up and the Port blokes, being great fellas, um, really stuck it out, so they made a game of it. So all credit to them. Which yeah. they don't I've have to do, which they, which they most certainly don't have to do if there's, if it was dangerous or raining. They, they are quite, if it's seven overs and there's rain or 10 overs, they are. And again, of course, there's an umpire there as well. But, you know, yeah, that, that's a very interesting statement, Steve. Dan, your thoughts? Yeah, no, I've heard very similar whispers around the, the traps that um, the conditions got to a stage where the players could have left the park, um, but the Pythons made a conscious effort to make sure 15 overs were bowled, um, and then they were happy to leave it to the to the, the DLS. Um, actually, Merriweather were far too good on the day. They batted better, yeah. bowled better, filled it better, used the conditions better. Um, yeah, they, they got beat fair and square, and, and they were, yeah, um, just Merriweather, a better team on the day. And, and again, I think... Tom Lavender's innings really needs to, but the conditions that looking at all the other scoring in this game, that he's come out and belted 41 at better than a runner ball, three sixes, two fours. That must have been a really great innings to watch because the ball would have been popping all over the place. Um, Jeremy Kirk, six overs, one for seven. Very Again. handy bowling in, in, in um, well, in any conditions. Um, they threw the ball to a couple of guys just to push through the overs to get to 15. And if you have a look at it, things were pretty tight. Like Brock Hawley, five overs. No, he could 12. Even Jason Ellie, the, uh, the Silver Fox, two overs for 10. Uh, Blake Simpson, they've taken 27 from his two overs, which is really, I guess, what hurt, hurt the Pythons there. But again, um, Duckworth Lewis, that's why it's there. The Pythons guys made sure it had become an official game, getting 15 overs in. And... Um, yeah, Merriweather, two from two, if, if we take the first round out where everyone was washed out. Um, and, yeah, from where they were last season, they'll be very happy to be sitting, I guess, in the, the box seat at this stage. I know it's very early doors, but you, you take the three points of this competition when you get them because it's going to be such a tight competition. Absolutely, it is. Uh, absolutely, it is. And, uh, yes, I had a few calls coming in to get the Duckworth-Lewis calculator. I've got the software on my computer, which will really surprise you, Dan. So I had a few calls from around the place, and uh, <laughs> uh, I, had the, I had the charts there. Luckily, we didn't need them where I was. Now, let's go to Connolly Park, where the Mary Ellen Mudrats played um, Steve Grimshaw's Warners Bay. Mary Ellen, um, all out. And as Dan has mentioned many times, if you don't bet your 40, hours, your 40 overs in this competition, you usually pay for it. Mary, with a, oh, sorry, Mary Ellen, all out 120, despite a superb performance from Cameron Roxby, 48 not out, out of 120. Our guest, Steve Grimshaw, ladies and gentlemen, four for 23 off five, including, I believe, Steve Grimshaw, your first ever hat-trick. Would that be right in senior men's cricket? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Took me 30-odd years to get it, so pretty happy on the day. <laughs> Congratulations. Now, talk us through the day. First of all, when Mary Ellen were batting, was the... um because where you are is not very far from where I was as the crow yeah. flies at Lynn Oval. So we didn't have more than a couple of spits of rain. Did you have any at Connolly um, when Mary Ellen were batting? Uh, no, not during their innings. No, um, it was pretty dry. It was, it was quite good. The outfield was reasonable. You know, we, they started off pretty well. We um, pegged them back, got a few wickets and we got a clump of wickets in the middle. And then obviously, Cam Roxby comes in and we knew we knew he's hard to get out. So we, we tried to target the the other end, but he was smart enough to get down there and he batted really well. So um Good yeah, they went from something like eight, eight, eight for sixty and he dragged him to one twenty. So he made it a he made it a total. And looking at the scores, it looks like that your the, the hat trick ball may have been an LBW. Would that be right? Yeah, yeah, threw it up there, tried to get it as full as possible and um yeah, managed to get it on the stumps. And, of course, that's where you have, in, in, enjoy having official umpires who give what's out out. Exactly, and it was the full Rudy Kurtz and the slow left arm raise. And didn't we, didn't oh, we that, was, that was oh. Phil Baldwin. Yeah, it was Phil. Yeah, <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. And Very being a former bowler, he would have uh, he'd have appreciated that too, Phil. Oh, I'm sure he enjoyed it as much as we did. Some very good bowling figures here. Simon Smith, uh, two for 28 off eight. Matthew Riding, two for 22 off eight. As we said, Steve Grimshaw, four for 23 
off five and getting uh, Mary Allen ending up short of uh, batting 40 overs despite Roxby's brilliance. And again, Cameron Roxby's a star. He's a very, very accomplished cricketer. Yeah. Over to Warner's Bay's innings and our, our dear friend Tomato Head failed it. Did you see this? Uh, Daniel wasn't even dismissed by the bowler. The great man was run out. And um, I've got to say, I was I was sitting on about my fair to say seventeenth can of mid strength beer at the uh, sounds of rock concert at Coffs Harbour when I had a missed call from the um, the chairman of the Suburban Districts Association, Stephen Elliott, and I wasn't in a position to take the call due to the sound, so I, I just sent him a a quick text saying, "Mate, is everything okay?" Um, and the message back, "Tomato head running out too." <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so I'm so hoping that name sticks because it's a good one. I think I my message in. back was, "Please tell me there's footage." Um, so, unfortunately, not the case. Would have liked to see the blow up. Grant Reed in thirty-four. Neil Smith. Now, Steve Grimshaw, can you or can you not confirm or deny that Neil Smith is still wearing uh, a lemon rinse on top of his head and is still wearing an awful uh, mop of blonde hair? Is this actually correct, or has this changed, sir? No, no, you're correct there. He stands out probably uh, more so than the rest of us, but uh, with his character as much as his head of hair. <laughs> he's an interesting dude, Neil Smith. He's also highly intelligent. He's a Byron great Jensen. fellow, and we're, we're glad to have him on board over at Warners Bay this year. And he's a good umpire too. Byron Jensen, 16. Kane Bradley, uh, a very important innings in the context of that whole game. 33 not out and steered them to victory. Nathan Sutton yeah. there at the end. A very important win. 521. Good quotient. As well for Warners Bay, they got those runs in 21 overs. Um, wickets for Mary Ellen, two for 15 off six for Cameron Roxby, and a magnificent performance in a losing side. Brendan Maxwell, two for 14 off four point. Braden Maxwell, I'm sorry. But Steve, um, a very good performance. Now, in the afternoon set in the second innings, uh, wicket okay. Did you get a couple of spits of rain? And did that actually affect the batting conditions, particularly? Did Connolly get a bit slippery or a bit poppy? No, look, there was the conditions didn't affect our, our innings. We knew it was coming. We got a few spots of rain, but it didn't affect anything. We just had to be mindful. We didn't want to lose too many wickets and just keep ticking the score over. Um, Grant Reardon at the top of the order, we had him back this week. He batted really well, got us off to a flyer. And, yeah, unfortunately, Dave got stuck on a treadmill. But um, Neil and Byron Kane, obviously, in our middle order, um, pretty solid middle order, and they just got the job done. They knew what was what was um, required with the Duckworth Lewis. Um, we are miles in front. We tried to stay 20, 30 runs in front, even if we did lose wickets. But um, yeah, we got the job done. It's an impressive win and a terrific start for the season for Warners Bay. Um, what's the feel? I'm going to ask you about one of your lower graders, who's one of the biggest pests in Newcastle sport in a, in a, in a couple of minutes. Dan knows who I'm talking about, and it's not David Absalom. Um, what's the feeling like at the club? Two from two coming up into... In, in, into uh, the, the top the, the top division. Things are going quite well. It's a real credit to, to yourself and the club. Feeling must be pretty good at the moment. Yeah, yeah. We think we've um, we've got some players there that, like obviously Kane Byron come back from grade cricket. Neil come across. We've got a few new guys, a young guy from Sydney and uh, young Ollie. Jesse's come down from Maitland. Plus there's, we've got all the experienced guys still there. Grant and Simo, Matty Riding come across from Merriweather and yeah, we've just got a well-balanced side. We all get along well and been training pretty hard in the off-season and it seems to be paying off early. Maybe um, maybe teams are taking us slightly early in the season, but I'm sure that'll change because we know there's a lot of quality in all these teams and no bigger tests than Port at home this week. Absolutely. We'll come to that in a minute. Um, Dan, we, we've been talking a little bit about grounds, obviously, and we wanted to pick your brain a little bit. Uh, can you give us a bit of an update as to the condition? And this is not a critique of anybody because of the extraordinary weather. How um, I saw some photos of fame because I'm um, uh, having been involved with the footy club there um, a few years ago. How are the conditions of both of the grounds? Are the outfields okay, or are they? Please be honest with us. Are they struggling, or are they are they coming good? Uh, fame Oval. I've never seen them looking so so good. That we had our women's game down there last night. Um, it got scarified three or four weeks ago, uh, but it's bounced back. It's It's been thick and thatchy for the last few years, but the council has done a fantastic job getting that sorted. And, well, good value for shots now. You you time something out of the middle of the bat and it's ball. I, it, uh, I was actually down there last night. I watched um, that good chunk of that um, women's game at Fane yesterday afternoon, and the girls were smoking the ball to the fence as well. The ball was as 
Grimmy said, time it, it's flying to the fence. So uh, yeah. a lot of runs on offer this Saturday if, if all uh, the weather stays away. And and, the forecast and is a, looking pretty positive. It is 27 or 28, if you don't mind. Um, mm. I, I, I think that Late Macquarie Council does deserve some credit. First, uh, Fane Oval, as those of you that have been um, around Newcastle, Late Macquarie Sport for years, Fane Oval was a swamp. And it was a terribly drained ground. They spent a lot of time and money getting the drainage right. It's become an excellent football ground. And also, then they've developed the amenities there. It's now become such a good complex that you can see senior-level representative cricket being played there into the future because it's a good deck, good outfield, good facilities, and an excellent location. And the drainage is really good, Steve. It's a credit to everybody. Yeah? And, and councils don't often get credit, but they've done the very best they can at Fayette. It's a pretty good setup, to be quite frank with you. Oh, I totally agree. You know, um, shout out to Greg and the guys down there. We've got a pretty good relationship with him. We can talk to them all the time and they're pretty open and honest in what they're doing. And we have the drainage system, the sprinkler system down there is probably second to none. Our second ground probably drains better than the main ground. It's um, if we get a sunny day, we should be playing 99% of the time. And with two sets of covers on both, both fields now, we, um, very rare. It's only Saturday morning rain that'll probably keep people from playing there. Yep, and that that uh, that uh, that second ground's actually for those people that love to hit square. It's perfect for you because it's long. It's shaped like Bell Reeve in Adelaide. Now, before we go to round four, just a bit of a report, please. How is one of Newcastle's biggest pests in all sports? The great, the the, the allegedly great James Newburn doing this year, and and has he been informed on and off the field? The great man. Yeah, yeah. Well, as you know, Jimmy's always in form. Um, well, I haven't seen much of what he's done on the field. I know they had a they had a tough loss last week over on Fane too. He'll obviously enjoy playing with those shorter um, side boundaries, as you just mentioned. Yes, he will. But um, yeah, there's yeah, Jimmy's a great bloke to have at the club. He's pretty knowledgeable, and he's um, he keeps us all on our toes. Let's just say that you won't be very happy with the the, the goings on at Manly. I'm telling you. Um, but uh, he'll, be great. he'll be grumpy about that. He's still recovering from the Swans getting pogo out in the GF. Um, yeah. Gentlemen, round four, here we go. Um, and again, everything looks good and positive for a full round, which would be lovely given the weather we've had. Nelson, they are hosting um, um, the Meriwether Lions. That's at Salamander. As we said, Warners Bay hosting Port Stevens. What a clash that'll be at Fane 1. West Journeyman hosting Redhead. Neither of those sides played last week. That's at Hexham. The Mudrats are dub, uh, two in a row at Connolly playing the Rose Scholars. And Cardiff Buller are playing West Waterboard on that excellent pitch down there at Cardiff number two. Well, gentlemen, we'll go to Warners Bay and Port Stevens last and have a bit of a chat with Steve. Dan, Nelson Bay and, and Merriweather. Nelson Bay haven't played much cricket. And uh, Merriweather will be quite confident going in, uh, making the, tri the short trip up to Salamander Bay. Yeah, look, I'm confident Nelson Bay are one of three teams in Division 1 that haven't actually played a game as yet. They've had three washouts. Um, I did see some uh, vision on Facebook throughout the week that Don Waring was coming up and looking an absolute treat. So hopefully that'll be back in play in the next week or two. Um, so I'm hoping, given that how well Don Waring's looking, that Salamander's in just as good condition. Uh, they'll be champing at the bit to get on the park, Nelson Bay. Um, Merriweather two wins from the two games they've played. They're going to want to keep their undefeated start to the season. Um, as we've mentioned, Hamish Bartlett, who's a former Merriweather player, both in um, that A-grade or Division One team as, and as well as uh, grade, played um, some quite a bit of second grade. Uh, he's uh, with the Nelson Bay Turtles this season. So looking forward to hopefully seeing that game go ahead and just getting a, a, a feel for exactly where Merriweather are. And um, hopefully Nelson Bay can come out of the box competitive as well. Thomas Bartlett made 88 in a first-grade grand final many years ago at number one. And the reason I know that is that my mob were on the receiving end of that, unfortunately. Uh, Dan and Steve, your tips there, please. I'll give mine as well. Nelson Bay and Merriweather. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. As you said, with Hamish back, anything's possible up there. Um, we know how good he is. And obviously, he'll, he'll instill some confidence into those other guys and... But Merriweather's in good form. They're two from two and their confidence will be soaring too. So it should be a good clash and hopefully some good weather and they get a game on. And ladies and gentlemen, Steve Grimshaw is picking the splinters out of his backside from sitting on the mm. fence. That's another matter. Dan Saunders, your thoughts? Oh, look, it's in a two-horse race and it's so early in the season. It's, it's hard to go 
on anything but form. And there's only one team in this this match that's got form. So you, you'd have to go with Merriweather solely because they've they've played and they're undefeated. Nelson Bay, it's it's their team unknown. We we don't know how they're going to perform. Right. Who's available? Who's not? It's no slide on Nelson Bay, um, but um, you know the comment section will be alive and well for people to hammer us, and that's fine because that tells me people are listening. So um, yeah, fifty cents each way, Merriweather. Merriweather for mine. Yeah, best journey. Well, okay, there you go. We, we've got people yeah. off fence. It's good to see. Now, West and Red West Journeyman and Redhead play. Uh, this game's at Hexham, and hopefully Hexham's dried up. They've obviously had no cricket there. Again, a game with the unknowns. Um, West Journeyman, a pretty good cricket side. Redhead, a little bit, to be honest, last year, inconsistent. When they were good, they were very, very good. But when they weren't, they struggled. Um, this is an important game. And I think that the, both these sides we're looking for just to get on the park, to be quite honest, like a lot of other people. Uh, now, Steve, we'll go to you first. What The Journeyman and Redhead? Yeah, look, I'm going to go... I'll, I'll go Journeyman on this one. I've played both these sides for a lot over the years. And I know when Journeyman are on, they're just a tough side to beat with... Um, if Chris Divert's playing, Paul Gauchy's playing, um, they're, they're just got quality from top to bottom. And they're a great bunch of blokes too. They get along well. They've loved their cricket. So, yeah, I think they'll be too strong for Redhead. And I think Redhead will try hard. But I think Journeyman will pip them this week. I'm on the Journeyman because it's at home. Mr Saunders, sir? Yeah, look, um, well, first of all, hoping Hexham parks up and, and fit for a game of cricket. The last yep. report I've heard is that Hasn't been too much work done up there now. That's that's not a sledge on anyone. The weather's been atrocious. Um, I'm hoping that with the weather we've had this week and still to come, that Hexham Park will be in a, a fit state to host a game of cricket. Um, the Journeyman and, yeah, Redhead, they're the other two teams who get to take the field in Division 1. So I know uh, Journeyman's second team, Paul Gauchy, uh, who's also a member of the Suburban District's representative, uh, the Rebels, last season. Um, he's had two winnings in their lower grade and peeled off 90 and 84. So Paul Gauchy is in some serious form this time of season. Uh, Dave Sullivan's been able to get a few overs out. So although they haven't had a games in Div 1, a few of their players have gotten some match fitness under their belt. Uh, Redhead, again, I, I know they've had some player uh, or some numbers issues uh, this season. So again, it's, it's hard to know who's going to front up for Redhead um, this week. Um, Based on the information that I have available, I would have to tip the journeyman. Um, but again, that how, how that ground has come up will yep. have a big say in how that game goes because that game could solely be reliable on who wins the toss. Just as a matter of interest, and I'm, I'm, this is a question completely without notice. Do you think if the, a couple of the grounds continue to struggle, that there may be consideration? And again, I don't know what the rules are, Dan and Stephen. Is there a possibility for a couple of games of cricket to be played on Sunday on a wicket that was used the day before to get people some cricket? Or is that actually not possible in the rules? And if you cop a draw, that's just the way it is. Yeah, I, I think... I'm not, I'm not sure if it's actually a hard written rule, but there hasn't really been any discussion that I'm aware of. And I think... I know the NDCA is very well-driven on process, which I understand. Um to be honest, I don't think it's ever really been discussed moving to Sunday. I know for the grand final week, uh, that is an option. Um, if Saturday's unfit for play, Sunday's available. But yes, that's because it's that's last, be, last season. That's because it's written in in the in the rules and in that's the competition right. but, yeah, as a reserve just, day. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No problem. I, I think Look, I just thought I'd throw it out there because we we don't want sides like at the start of last season, as you would all know, we didn't have a choice. Okay, that that was a worldwide pandemic on. When you've got rainfall like this, people are, there's a possibility people could miss three or clubs could miss three or four games in a row to start the season. And um, no, I just thought I'd throw it in and ask, but no, if, if that's not there, it's not there. It's the way it is. And um, journeyman for me, Mary Ellen Mudrats hosting the Road Scholars at Connolly Connolly Park. This could be actually a pretty good game of cricket. The Mudrats will be a bit disappointed in their performance last week. And uh, Road Scholars have actually got some pretty handy cricketers playing for them, gentlemen. Steve, to you first. This could actually be one of the games of the round, other than, of course, your own Warners Bay and Port Stevens, which we've come to in a couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't talk too much about the Rogue Scholars because I think they merged with the side and they've, um, it's the old Adamstown side. I played them years ago. There's some handy cricketers in that side. But, yeah, look, I think Mary Ellen's going to be tough to beat. We, um, 
I think we got their got their measure in it with our bowling. Um, obviously, we got Tim Forsyth out pretty early, uh, which obviously helps. And uh, well, it was one of the Forsyth brothers anyway. Um, and but, yeah, look, if they can contain, you know, if Rogue Scholars can contain their um, their batters and they're a chance, but I'm going to tip Mary Ellen on this one. I just think they're too good. Mary Ellen for mine, Dan. Yeah, look, when, when um, the, the result came through that Waters may beat Mary Ellen, the first thing I thought of was, geez, I can't remember the, 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 the last time over the, the three seasons that we've been around that the Mary Ellen had lost back-to-back games. I sure don't see them losing three in a row. They're going to be smarting from back-to-back defeats this early on. They're going to want to get a win on the board. Um, Cameron Roxby's proven that he's in good form of the bat. Josh Forsyth scoring runs the week before. Uh, they've got their bowling depth is they got bowling for days. The Rose Scholars, um, they had a win first up against Cardiff in round two by four wickets. Um, as Steve uh, alluded to, that the Rose Scholars are a combination of uh, the artists, I guess, formerly known as Newcastle City Rosebuds, and the Rogue Scholars team who come across from the city and suburban. Uh, it's at Connolly Park again, uh, at not, not knowing that the full, I guess, playing squad that the Rogue Scholars have, uh, my money would be on the Mud Rats. I'd, again, I'd be stunned to see them be zero and three after four rounds. Mm. Well, the, the only thing that might go to the Rogue Scholars, um, Cam Roxby come off the long run for a few overs the other day, but he, um, he only lasted a couple of overs and he bowled off spin. Um, so that's, that's a massive blow for him because we know how good of a bowler he can be. Interesting little bit, bit of information there from mm, Mr. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. That's the, this is why we have these these conversations. So it should be a good game of cricket there at, at Connolly Park. Cardiff Bullaroo hosting West Waterboard this game at Cardiff number two. Hopefully we get on down there. As I've stated many times, it's a belter of a track. Normally a pretty quick outfield. It runs away downhill to one particular part of the ground. Um, should be an interesting game of cricket. Cardiff Bullaroo, the old walls in. They, they love to throw the bat around. West Waterboard more of an orthodox and grinding sort of a side. These two, of course, co-tenants last year, gentlemen, if you if, if you remember in their different guises. This should be, yeah, look, I find this one hard to pick. Um, maybe waterboard. I, I don't I don't quite know. I th- it may be one of those day, things that happens on the day, but let's just hope they get on, gents. Yeah, look, I'm actually, um, I'm going to go with uh, CBs on this one against the waterboard. Um, I think waterboard's still a good side. Obviously, any side with Mitch Cronin in is a, Bloody good side. But um, I, look, them CB boys turned up at our game to watch the other day and I had a chat with a few of them and they're just chomping at the bit. They're just keen to get out and play cricket and I'm pretty much going to pick them just for the fact that I think they'll be just so enthusiastic as we know they are every week they play. Mr Saunders? Oh, for me, that Carter Fuller for days in this game, well, I don't think it, it's, it's, it's a debate. They, they love their cricket. They're, they're jumping out of this one. Mm. <laughs> yeah, um, and again, they'll be smarting from going down that close encounter of the Rogue Scholars. They batted their 40 at 162 from memory and uh, would have thought that would have been enough on Cardiff too. So they'll learn from that. Um, they do like to get on with the game, be quite aggressive. Waterboard, they played uh, Grimmies Mob there first up in round two over at, at Faya 1, and, and they were quite disappointing for the standard. From what they set from last year, finishing in the top four, um, winning their A-grade comp the year before over in the CNS. Um, I think they need to focus more on their cricket and less on sort of off-the-park uh, stuff. Mitch Cronin, heads and shoulders, he's the player to watch in that game. If he fires... Yeah, he, he could he could certainly take the waterboard to victory, but uh, the talent across the board in that Cardiff Bullaroo team and just how keen they are. Um, again, if I had to have a bet, um, I'm on Cardiff Bullaroo on that fixture. Yeah, to be fair to the waterboard too, I don't think they were full strength when we played them. They had a couple of young guys. I think you mentioned that last week in your show. Yeah, um, true. You guys, you guys were down a couple as well, so yeah. Well, that's true, but um, yeah, look. It could be an interesting one, but yeah, I think I think Cardiff might have him on that one. And onto the game of the round, Warners Bay against last year's Premier's Port Stevens. And Steve Grimshaw, I'll open with this one. Of all the weeks that you wanted to play Port Stevens, they're coming off being beaten at home. Oh, uh, yeah. It should be a huge day at Fane. Good luck. Talk us through where you think this game's going to be won and lost, my friend. Oh, look, it's definitely not ideal. 
playing teams when they come off back-to-back losses, they'll be they'll be smarting. And I know that, you know, they've obviously only just had that that um, you know, that loss to Merriweather. And I've been chatting to a few of the boys this week. I still think they're the team to beat this year. I really do. Their their quality with Kirky and and Brock open the bowling and uh, you know they start out straight from the top with Hunzi and then you've got the Moxie brothers come in and they bat right down. And I think, um, I believe Grant Garland's come back from twos this year, back into ones. So um, he's pretty solid in the middle order too. You just don't bowl anywhere near his pads or you go and pick it up off the road. So yeah, look, obviously I'm going to, I'm going to back us this week, but um, we'll have to, we'll have to play well to beat them. Simple as that. I think so. Look, they're a good cricket side, and you guys are, particularly given that you've just come up, are playing some pretty compelling and convincing cricket. You're in pretty good form yourself, great man. But uh, look, uh, it'll be a very, very interesting game for you to see how they come out away. It's their, probably one of their bigger trips away. And Dan, in, in going to you, I, I think this game could be very, very exciting. And if, if the weather holds, it could be high scoring as well. Yeah, look on paper, it's heads and shoulders, the game of the round. A um, bit of a scoop here for you, Redders, for the podcast. This game will be live streamed also. We've uh, successfully obtained a link uh, from Play HQ. Um, really? So this game will be live streamed on the YouTube, the NDCA live streaming channel. Um, I'll be down there commentating. Um, that was my next question. Has the, has, has the great man himself from Sport, Sports Stevens, 100.9 FM, got himself a commentary gig? Oh, my goodness. You won't stop him now. Look out. And who are you going to have with you, my friend? Uh, to be advised, um, hope, well, Stephen Elliott, I'm hoping, will be uh, joining me, if not for the whole day, at least for portions of the day. Um, between the Pythons and Warners Bay, I'm sure there's enough guest commentary uh there to get through an afternoon. And worst case, if I yell out loud enough to feign too, I'm sure Newburn would be more than happy to join me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> tomato head as well. And if you if you give Moxie a you give Moxie a microphone, he won't shut up. Yeah, you can leave. Well, I'm, I'm just I'm just looking forward to, to to calling J Moxie VD Absalom, and that's Moxie with bat versus D Absalom with ball. That could be. I might retire on that because I don't think you go out any any better high than seeing those balls sailing. You, you can distance. have Dave after he scores a few runs. <laughs> yeah. And look, please, um, get, um, please get Newburn on a microphone if you get him for 15 minutes. It'll be good value. Well, we're just setting the perimeter fence up around where the uh, commentary box will be now. Um, we know how many people will roll up when, as soon as we tell them Saunders commentating down there. <laughs> he, nah, look, Steve, Steve, to be very honest, he's a very accomplished cricket commentator. Understands the game, knows when to shut up, knows when to say something. And it's it's a privilege to work with him. I've worked with him yeah. a few times, and he's a very accomplished cricket commentator. I know he's going a bit red on the screen up here on our Zoom call, but Stephen, he is actually an extremely good cricket commentator. I had the pleasure of um, sitting beside him at uh, Learmonth Park last year at a Summer Bash game. Is, would that happen to be the game that Angus McTaggart went absolutely deluxe? Yeah, uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, Epsom <laughs> Salts, I think it was. <laughs> Oh, yeah. look, that's fantastic news. It's going to be live streamed. Um, we'll go back to that at the end of the uh, end of the call. We've got a Craven Co. player of the round, a few other things to yeah. talk about, but that should be an exciting game. Please, we'll, we'll, we will promote that again on the NDC Facebook page, uh, the, the live stream before we go. Yeah, just, just, just back to this game before. Sorry, um, sorry, mate. Yep, yep. No, it's okay. Look, I, I said, Warners Bay, look at this state of listed 10 players. Just grim me. I'm just looking at the team you've got here in, in alphabetical order, and it's, it's very strong. Um, Absalom. Ballanden, Bradley, Grimshaw, Jensen, Knight, Oliver Knight, who you mentioned earlier, who uh, scored a solid 30-odd not out in the first game. Uh, Matt Riding, who's come across from Merriweather. Grant Reardon, 30-odd last week at the batting. Neil Smith, Simon Smith. Um, any idea who'll be the 11th player in that? Or that just depend on team selections and if other games are washed out, go they're ahead. They're going to put a lot into Curie. That's what they're going to do. They're going to have a TBA right till the suspension's finished. Well, a lotty. There you go. Well, I'd love to say we're holding someone back because we don't want to give anything away, but that's not the case. We're um, unfortunately without a couple this week, which is sure. seems to be the case for most teams this year. But yep. yeah, pretty pretty strong side without it. We've we've got um, some available players in the lower grades. We've just got to work out who's the best fit for Div One this week. Sure. Um, so look, looking, I mean, you, your bowling's quite strong. And from memory, Grant Reardon actually bowls as well, doesn't he? 
Yeah, oh, he's a very yeah. handy bowler. We didn't yeah, even use yeah, him yeah, very well. Mary Ellen last week. But, um, you know, obviously uh, he's pretty handy at the top order. We don't want to overuse him with the bowler, but if, if we need to throw him a ball, he doesn't need too much warm-up. He just rips in and he's quite yeah. sharp too. So, two yeah, you know, we're pretty confident. Jensen and Bradley as well. Yeah, well, Kane Kane's not keeping this year. He kept the Waratah grade last year. And when Ollie come to come on board, I asked him if he wanted to keep and he was more than happy to mentor young Ollie this year. And he's done a great job in that first game. He, he missed that game last week, but he's back this week. And Kane's very handy with the ball. And, yeah. Mm. You know, we didn't, I didn't talk too much on the bowling last week against Mary Ellen, but Byron Spell and Cameron Roxby actually mentioned to me after the game, Byron Spell, eight overs. I don't think he took a wicket, but it was a couple of maidens for 21 runs at the death wow. against Roxby. And he just couldn't hit him. He just bowls the spot. And um, he did the job we needed him to do. And I think that's why we kept him to 120. That's so, a pretty yeah. fair rat coming from Cam Roxby. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yep. Most certainly is. Yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah, sorry, just to go to the Pythons. Yeah. I imagine they'll be at full strength. And just to, across the board, the player for player, it matches up really well. Um, nice. It's going to be a, a fantastic game of cricket. And the game with the, the weather forecast looking to be sunny tomorrow, Saturday. We all know that. If there's any game of cricket that will get on, it will be at Fayon 1. So we know the boys will be down there with the, with the covers and, and keeping everything as dry as possible. So um, I'd, I'd say that game will probably attract some quite a few spectators, to be honest. Sure, hopefully so. A lovely warm afternoon down there in beautiful Lake Macquarie. Go and have a dip and then come back and watch some terrific Division 1 cricket. So, again, that's 1 o'clock at Fayon Oval. Fayon Oval number one, Warners Bay and Port Stevens should be. That, that is clearly by a long way. The game of the round. And your select your prediction there, Renners. Me? Yes. Because I'm going to keep splinters in my bum on this one. I'm going to sit <laughs> on the fence. <laughs> Given that there are there as I've got to be honest and open here. One or two players missing, as Steve has just alluded to. Port Stevens by a wicket. There you go, nine down. Yep, that's okay. Fair. You know, um, Look, as I said to you before, we're going to be at our best to beat them, and um, if we're far from it, we're um, we know how they can they can put runs and tally up. So, yeah, we'll be ready for them. We'll um, we still rate them as the best team in the comp, and that's how we'll treat them on Saturday. Our wonderful sponsors, Craven Co. at Charlestown, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we uh, Dan Saunders is all over this one. It's our player of the round in suburban district cricket. Dan, over to you, sir. This is your segment. Uh, with thanks again to our wonderful sponsors, Craven Co. Yeah, look, uh, again, Rain played havoc with round three of the uh, Suburban Districts competition. So a n- number of games uh, abandoned or, or not played over the weekend. Uh, now, I should just put it out there because some people may uh, disagree with the outcome. I can only go off what stats or scores are entered into play HQ. And if I know there are teams out there having some issues with entering scores. Um, clubs try, being, try being your club the, your club registrar and trying to get scores in at times it is, it is, <laughs> yeah. now, it's an, inter- again, it's an interesting thing fun. to do yeah this is a bit of fun and again it's, it's, it's all about just acknowledging performances not just in Division 1 but all through the grades as well um, but again I can only go off the information I have available so clubs who are struggling to enter their stats into play HQ if there are any exceptional performances you feel has happened within your club on a weekend, please contact me either through the page, through Facebook, through the cricket page. Send me a screenshot of the scorebook and certainly um, well, I'll get a mention on the podcast. And if it is the performance of the round, they may well find themselves uh, winning a $20 Craven Co. voucher to spend on um, coffees, slice, second bacon rolls, smashed avo, whatever it is that uh, floats your boat. They're open seven till two, Monday to Friday, and have a little bit of everything for everyone. But the um, a couple of honourable mentions. Now, of course, Steve Grimshaw, four for 23, including a hat-trick. But um, I've been tipped off, Grimby, that you've been disqualified due to celebrating with a pink gin on Saturday evening. Now, is this correct? <laughs> oh, yeah, hang on. Yeah, look, I've been stitched up here. I certainly didn't buy it myself. We can... Uh... Uh, the stitches fly on this program, Grimby. Oh. Well, I've had a word to the bloke that bought it. He didn't even attend the bowling club on uh, Saturday night. 
Thanks, Pete Lewis. But um, wow. Okay. I'll, uh, the stick, I'll certainly the get you back. come from within the family. I'll, I'll that, say that. That gets you requalified if the bloke that bought it didn't even turn up, Sondo. Turn it up, Robbie. Okay, well, that, that's fair. But I, I think Mr Grimshaw will agree with me um, that the, the individual who is this week's Craven Co. performance of the round comes from the Port Stephens Pythons Division 2. They played Warners Bay actually at Fayen 1 last Saturday, which is uh, quite an anomaly with the draw. Warners Bay were dismissed for 85. And the Port Stephens Pythons in 9.1 overs have peeled off one for 90. Now, in that performance of bowling Warners Bay out for 85, Jeremy Rushford, seven overs, four for 17 with the new ball, has taken wickets uh, two, three, four, and five, ripped out the hard out of the top order, then has opened the batting and peeled off 57 not out in 9.1 overs, Eight fours and one six. Jeremy Rushford with that all-round performance is our round three Suburban Districts Craven Co. Performer of the Week. So well done to Jeremy. Um, a, a fantastic all-round performance. It doesn't necessarily have to be the biggest hundred or a five, uh, mind you. Hundreds or five or six has certainly put people in good stead. But um, that's the decision that's been made for round three. Jeremy Rushford from the Port Stephens Pythons Division 2. There's 57 not out in a total of one for 90 in 9.1 overs on the back of four for 17 off seven overs um, in the first innings bowling. Waters Bay out for 85. So well done, Jeremy. A great all-round performance. Yeah, one of the last brothers. By all reports from our um, our guys in Div 2, it was, uh, it was it was a hell of a performance and he was uh, it was a class above. So uh, well done. One of the one of the Rushford brothers, James Jordan, Jeremy, they can all play. James Rushford has played for, for um, Newcastle's own level, so he's a very good. They're all very good cricketers. Um, now that that's a superb performance, it really is. Um, and you, you, they're the sort of performances going to get you in line for this particular award. You, 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 hmm. it, it is what it is. Um, and Cam Roxy would have Cam Roxy would certainly have been in the running there with forty eight not and two for fifteen. So. But uh, Rushy's performance there, it gets him a $20 voucher at Craven Co., which is fantastic. Yep, you can use that at, at, at his convenience. Well, I post it up on the page when the podcast is live. Um, yeah, Jeremy, um, make his way in there and, and, and claim that. They'll, they'll, be, they'll look after him. So, great stuff. I haven't heard back from Paul Dan, whether he's cashed in his from last week yet, but uh, they're going to have extra bacon ready for his bacon egg roll. So... Craven Co. Charlestown. It's on the corner of Smart and Pearson Street, on the opposite the side entrance to Charlestown Square. We've Stash House is on the opposite corner. People familiar with the area? Um, but yeah, they, they do great great business in there. Great breakfast, morning teas, uh, seven a.m. till two p.m. Monday to Friday. Craven Co. Now, gentlemen, I've been talking about something with Dan Steve for a little while. We, I mentioned it a couple of times last year. That performance where Port Stevens have got those overs in a in a thirty five over game, they've got them nine down. They've got them in nine at nine point something overs. I put it to you: if ever there was a case to for suburban districts to look at bonus points, that's it. Now, in the in in districts, obviously there is a, a bonus points. Now, I'm not criticising anybody, but what I'm asking to, to for you is. When you get in a 35-over game, runs in nine, I reckon that there's that's at least a case for the suburban districts to maybe even look at this. It's not going to happen this year because you don't change rules mid-season unless you're the AFL. Um, but you, certainly that's got to be it. There, there's surely cases like that. It must be a consideration because they've got them in all basically a quarter of the overs. Gentlemen, your thoughts? Yeah, look... You know, it's a fair point, I suppose, but um, the the only thing I suppose it might it might make the games a little bit more exciting, especially if they're um, you're not chasing many. You can send your big hitters out, and you can it'll change the complex of way games are played. Um, yes, it will. And this was Dan's point last year: is that the amount of games last year, Steve, in first grade, where forty overs, the team winning made one hundred and fifty-five to one hundred and sixty-five is ridiculous, and that's actually four runs and over. That's not very many. When you have bonus points available, it completely changes because teams will know that they've got to get their runs under the current rules in districts. It's, you've got to get them in 24 overs. It does change the way things, the, the, the way games are played. And when we spoke with Dan about it last year, you know, he said, well, look, they just, it, I, 
basically, I don't think it's been considered very much. And maybe I'm one of the only people that puts their hand up and says this. Dan, your thoughts? Yeah, look, I've, I've certainly, like, just, yeah, we've discussed this. And I certainly see the merit in it. To me, it's, it's a conversation I think needs to happen well and truly this season in more of an open forum with clubs so it can be presented for a potential uh, rule change or because I believe that would be something that would need to go under the competition rules, maybe the constitution. I'm unsure how that would work, but that, that's something that would need to be agreed upon, I think, a season out. So going into the following season, that, that's I don't think it's the sort of thing to be sprung up sort of weeks out or a couple of months out no, from the, no, the no, season no. pop-up. You heard my you heard my crack it a minute ago. You do yeah. this properly. You say, guys, we'd, we'd like to consider if there's four points available in every game, which basically there is, then we think that whether there's a case there to say you get the runs inside 24 overs, as Port Stevens did, you get all four and the team that got pogo gets none. Um, and that also makes things very interesting with point scoring, particularly if you're fifth, sixth or seventh running into the last couple of games. You say, right, guys, this is what we've got to do to go. We can actually get 12 points in the last three games instead of getting a maximum nine. Um, look, as, as I won't go any further with it, but yes, it's something that I think is worth considering, particularly with performances like that. That's quite ridiculous. And um, to, to get them in, in nine, then, you know, it's, uh, it's something for considering. Gentlemen, what were your thoughts on watching India and Pakistan on, on Sunday night at the Melbourne Cricket Ground? First of all, have you ever seen a cricket crowd? Like that, that was the the atmosphere on the television was electric. I've never seen a crowd like that on Australian soil in my life. Overseas, uh, yeah, but on Australian soil, that was. I mean, you you you'd do everything you could to teleport yourself to land right in the middle of it with eight balls remaining in that game. Where else in the world would you want to be? Oh, unbelievable, Steve. <laughs> you, yeah, look, wasn't it amazing to watch? Oh, exactly. Just watching it, you could think you're you're probably in the middle of uh, India or somewhere like that. Hundred thousand people, ninety thousand at an away, you know, two neutral teams. It's just amazing, maybe amazing atmosphere, and the game fitted it, didn't it? It went down. It just um, down to the last what last over, Coley, King Coley again. It just shows his class. It was just amazing. That's why we love it. That's what draws people into the game. I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm more of a traditionalist. I'm not a massive fan of T20 cricket, but when you're watching that, you just got to go, wow, how good. World-class sport. Look, I love watching test cricket. I actually love watching New South Wales by Sheffield. Listen, I love sitting there watching Dan, Dan Saunders score me in, in, in cricket when we're, we're commentating for goodness sake in local level. But when you're watching world-class players at the, at the very best tournament you can, we're about to see a world football championships in Qatar. You're seeing the best of the best in, in admittedly in T20. The only other places that I can think of that will be like that would be a sold out Eden Gardens in Kolkata. And perhaps if you play Pakistan in a place like Leeds, where there are huge numbers of us people who have, uh, whose um, ethnic background is the subcontinent. So, um, and yeah. Australia played a test match at Henley against Pakistan a few years ago, and you couldn't move for uh, people supporting Pakistan. But that atmosphere the other night was just extraordinary at Australia's best um, sports stadium. Interestingly, cricketers will tell you the Adelaide Oval is a bit of cricket ground, but the MCG is the MCG, and it's that Shane Warne stand was just rocking. It was amazing to watch. Yeah, oh, the MCG seemed to build drama, doesn't it? And that's exactly what you want from any international sport—just high drama. And there was no more, no more high drama than what. What transpired down at the MCG the other night? It was just oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Gents, we're just about done. We've, we've got through a really, really good podcast tonight. Dan, was there anything else you wanted to mention before we bid, uh, bid our loyal listeners adieu? Uh, well, I'll just uh, to touch on there's a, a grand final replay this Saturday in Division Two. And of course, with Grimmy on the program, Warners Bay's involved. Uh, Warners Bay v Katara. Warners Bay got the chocolates in the Div Two grand final against Katara last year out at Carl Oval, I believe Luger Park's the home of the grand final uh, rematch this Saturday. Um, be un- unfortunately, I won't be there to watch it because I'll be actually at your game commentating, but um, I know a good bulk of that second division team and now the, the division one team, um, but still just the, for that, I guess, rivalry between the clubs, that'll be a, a really good game of cricket. Yeah, look... The Warners, Warners Bay guys are looking forward to it. They just they just want to get out there and play. It's obviously a different side that played in that grand final last year with a few of us gone back to ones. Um, but, yeah, look, let's hope they get up there and give it a red-hot shot and 
you know, hopefully they can get their first win of the season. Yeah, I think that's our uh, two guys' first game as well. I don't, I don't think they've been. I don't think they've gotten on yet. Yeah. Anyway, let's just yeah, hope everyone gets on this weekend across all seven grades. Absolutely, Steve. Just before you leave us, the major sponsor of the Warners Bay Cricket Club, please give them a plug on our podcast. Major sponsors. We've got two major sponsors: Warners Bay Sports Club, obviously uh, everyone's favourite club to go and have a beer after a game of cricket in the sun, and um, Doido Industrial Painting are our two major sponsors. Um, we've also got on board a few a few minor sponsors have jumped on board this year: Hub Consulting, Ford Air Conditioning. Uh, Newcastle Concrete Resurfacing, um, yeah, and we can't we can't thank you. I, I think Carna Sports as well, Roy Capitao and Carna Sports. So we uh, obviously every every local club needs their sponsors, and I'm sorry if I've missed out any, but um, we're uh, we're very fortunate. We've got uh, got some great sponsors on board. Thank you, and again, thank you to all those sponsors. We really appreciate your support of the Warners Bay Cricket Club and all the sponsors across suburban district cricket. Steve, thank you so much for your time. Donald. It's been our privilege having you on. It's been great to pick your brain a bit and talk about cricket. Please don't be a stranger. You're more than welcome to come back. Please accept this as an open invitation to come back later on the season if you've got if you've got time for us. And again, thank you, and thank you for supporting our podcast. Oh, I appreciate appreciate everything you guys do for suburban districts cricket. We'll listen to your show and. Uh... If I can get on here in front of Dave another night, I will. I think we can make that happen. (laughs) That would be an interesting conversation. We'll get tomato head back here too. I'll tell you, we'll get him back. Dan, thank you so much for your time, mate. Look after yourself. Um, Enjoy Saturday. Oh, sorry. Again, so you'll be on here just about 12.55 on Saturday. Let's go through the game and how people access the live streaming. Dan Saunders. Okay, so Warners Bay are hosting Port Stevens Pythons at Fane Oval 1 this Saturday, 1 o'clock start. Um, but we'll be live streamed. So if you go on to YouTube, and I think if you search NDCA live stream, it should be the, uh, the most recent um, vision that you'll be able to look up there. I will post the link on the Cricket uh, Newcastle uh, News and Views page, the same page that you'll find this podcast shared to. Um, so there'll be links posted um, for anyone who wants to uh, take a peek at the games throughout the afternoon. Hopefully the uh, software holds up and, and the, the stream works, so fingers crossed. But either way, um, I couldn't think of anywhere better to be the Saturday afternoon than Faye and White. It's going to be an absolute cracking game of 40 over a side, one day social cricket. Make sure you're tuning in. It'll be a cracking game of cricket. Uh, Steve and Dan, thank you so much for your time. Everybody look after yourself. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We just love bringing it to you. Um, thanks to our major, our sponsor, Craven Co., and with thanks to Saundale and to Steve, this is David Redden. You all take care. Enjoy cricket this weekend. And uh, we'll catch up with you next week. Bye for now.